What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional. You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Dimity Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, well, if you don't like spiders, I've got bad news for you, because today is all about spiders. From cute baby spider dreams to spider catapults, and the friendship between a spider and a carnivorous plant. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, What's ruder after mating, eating your partner or yeeting your partner? Joining me today is someone tougher than Bear Grylls, host of the podcast FOGO, Fear of Going Outside, a story of conquering the outdoors one twig at a time. Welcome, Ivy Lee. Hey, Katie. So glad to be here. I'm so happy that you're joining me. Uh, Your podcast is about someone who is... Now, I... I don't mean to be rude here, but self-described kind of an indoor person uh, making their way to the outdoors, uh, sort of one one little baby oh, step at a time. Oh, I don't think that's rude. <laughs> why, why would I think being an indoor person is rude? <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with being an indoor person. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I actually, I do love the outdoors, but I agree with you a on a lot of your points that you make on your podcast, the primary thing being that plumbing is an incredible invention that I love. Yeah. And clean water. I can't get enough of it. Clean water is amazing. Yeah. Not having to filter your water, look for worms in it. Yeah. It's, I, I have been backpacking before and while I enjoyed certain aspects to it, 
the lack of plumbing. Um, also, like, so when you go to kind of high altitudes, you have to pee a lot because, like, it's um, more stress on your kidneys. And so I'd go have to go pee like in the middle of the night a bunch of times and I would go and then like find a little private place um, and humans wouldn't bother me but animals don't realize that like this is your private time and so I would have like mice or marmots or something like come and join me while I'm trying to pee in the middle of the night and I gotta say as much as I love animals maybe not in that context I'm, I'm sure the animals were judging you. They were like, wow, she's just so uh, traditional. <laughs> she's so she's such a prude. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's. I, I think I did make a decision that when I had like a mouse run over my foot while I was trying to pee, like, you know what? Ah! If I, if I go camping <laughs> oh, no, no, again, no. I want there to be like some kind of bathroom facility. Yeah, I want that for you. I want that Thank you. for you. I thought... I thought people had to pee a lot in the mountains because um, because they're because from the drinking. Yeah, you have to you have oh you mean like drinking alcohol or drinking water? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, both. The, from alcohol. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I I if I I absolutely cannot drink alcohol when I'm like hiking in high altitudes because then it would be the hike would be one hundred percent bathroom related. So we can't have that. <laughs> But yeah, majestic and the waterfalls like the glacier <laughs> drip is your bidet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if if all if all the hike was uh, sort of bidet based, then maybe I could enjoy a beer in the great outdoors. But until then, no. Um, <laughs> but enough about me and going to the bathroom, which I, the, normally my podcast is not about that. So don't worry, folks. Um, uh, you you're not so much of an outdoor person, but you are forcing yourself to learn more about the outdoors. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially when it comes to insects and God forbid spiders. What are your feelings towards spiders? Mm, tepid. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I would say spiders are uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend is how I look at spiders. I don't I don't mess with them. I don't touch them. If I see them, I'm sure there's a very good reason that they're there and we just look the other way and have a have a, 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 a an armistice with each other. Right. You have a cordial but chilly relationship. So I like that that so your enemy is generally insects and since spiders do eat insects, they are you formed kind of an alliance, like a laissez faire kind of mm -hmm. you let them be and hopefully they let you be. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we do I I live in Texas. We do have poisonous spiders. Mm. Like poisonous to humans. We yeah, do like, have them. Um, what do you have? Do you have brown widows? Uh we do. We we have the brown recluse, I believe. Brown recluse, yeah, that's right. Brown mm -hmm. widow. Do you have black widows as well? I mean, it's Texas, probably. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, venomous spiders tend to be pretty shy. Like, they don't really want to bite you. They don't really want to interact with you. They just want to go about their business, eat lots of bugs, have lots of babies, and on occasion be in your shoes. But other than that, you know, I, they're, they're fine. They're chill. <laughs> You're, you're a you're a worthy ambassador for, right for I like to, I, I'm very good at PR for spiders I I do actually there are certain spiders that I like so 
course, I, I don't love the venomous spiders just because, you know, I don't want to, you know, get necrosis or something. Um, but I do really like jumping spiders. They, to me, are cute. So have you ever seen a jumping spider's cute little face? I have, and it was not cute. <laughs> it was face to face with a jumping spider in a blind because I'm learning. I'm in season two production for Boga right now. This season, I'm trying to figure out how to become a hunter. Mm-hmm. So I spent hours in a blind with a jumping spider. Aww. Hours <laughs> together with this jumping spider. It was not cute. Not the cute. Spider, the spider did not feel good about it. I did not feel good about it. It's a bit but awkward then between you do. two. I but you know, to me, like they got those big adorable eyes though, and they're fluffy. So uh, tell what is the defining dis- like what is the difference between a puppy and a jumping spider? Fluffy and big eyes. Like what is it the number of legs? Like what's the- I think it's that def- it's the stance, you know, that mm. the jumping spider always looks poised mm-hmm. to like mess you up. Mm. I guess, although, you know, that sometimes puppies are poised as well to get on you and chew everything that you have and own. Uh, <laughs> but personally, I find jumping spiders cute. Uh, your your mileage might vary. Some people don't find them so cute. Uh, but they are really interesting. They are a fascinating spider. And they are the world's most visual spiders. So visual as in they actually use their vision in a way that most spiders do not. So they actually are the only spiders that can track your movement just by moving their eyes and not their whole bodies. Girl, that's exactly what the spider was doing to me the entire time. What was it collecting? What information? What are they using their eyes for? Well, they uh, they do hunt, so they use their vision to hunt. They also use their vision in selecting a mate. So there are a lot of jumping spiders oh. that are really beautiful. So like peacock jumping spiders, they have these fantastic displays of color, and they do these little dances. They wiggle their butts. They wave their arms. Uh, to me, it's it's the cutest rave in the world. Um, but they need to be able to see this in order to appreciate it and select a mate based on these dances. So you're saying I should be flattered by the attention? Yes, of you should. <laughs> so they have four pairs of eyes uh, with which they can see movement, vivid color. They can see in higher resolution than most animals, including humans. So those big cute dewy eyes that I've described that for some reason you don't find so cute. Uh, Those are actually the principal eyes. Uh, These eyes can see color and resolution and they can move their retinas around to track something that they're looking at. So their other eyes are more like other spiders eyes. They can't move. Uh, They mostly specialize in detecting movement, especially in the periphery. But with these uh, principal eyes, they can see really well and they have this very acute visual system. This is, what's really interesting is there is some new research about these spiders, and the question is, well, if they can see, right, if they, if vision is really important to them, like, how do they think? Do they think in images? Like, do they dream in images? 
Mm. There is actually some recent evidence that jumping spiders may be able to have visual dreams. Dreams? Mm-hmm. Like, like what do we think that they are? Like, like they're just like tripping on mushrooms the entire time? Or do you mean they're like, one day I'm going to be as big as this like hunter I'm looking at right now? Like one day, one day I'm going to have my own podcast. Like one aspirational day, like- dreams? <laughs> Spider aspirations? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. like, like when they sleep, uh, it would be like when you when we have dreams, like when we sleep, we have a bunch of like we can sometimes replay the day, but sometimes we have sort of invented dreams. Sort of, we take an amalgamation of the information we've learned over our lives and like turn it into this kind of you know private film that we show ourselves. Uh huh. And we're like processing our traumas and emotions. Is yes. that what the spiders do? They're like processing Maybe. their traumas. <laughs> spiders like one day I was like sitting here and then I saw this lady and I wanted to be friends with her, but she didn't want to be friends with me. And I was very sad. And so I had a dream where we were friends. <laughs> so and then, then she picked me up and I became her and she became me and we became one. <laughs> And who knows where her legs and my legs and my legs and my legs ended and began. Uh, that okay. And the DJ Tiesto track like swells. <laughs> Is this love? <laughs> so we don't know exactly what a spider would dream, but there is evidence that they do dream. So this evidence actually, <laughs> the research came about in a pretty cute manner. Daniela uh, Rusler is an ecologist at the University of, of Konstanz in Germany, and she noticed that when jumping spiders sleep, they twitch their little legs like dogs and cats do in their sleep. You know how like your dog or your cat might start to like move uh-huh. their little legs a little bit, twitch a little bit as they're maybe dreaming about running or jumping or having their dream come true of catching a car. And like, sometimes I wonder if my dog just dreams that she's really big because she's a little dog. And so it's like Uh that she's maybe she's dreaming she's just huge. And like, she's like, I'm I'm the human now. I I say when I have dog food. (laughs) Look at me. Look at me. I'm the human now. Yeah. Yeah. I am the one. (laughs) Yes. I'm the captain. (laughs) I'm the captain captain of the food now. (laughs) Yeah. So they twitch in their sleep. And so this researcher was like, I wonder if they're dreaming. And so she set up a baby spider nursery sleep lab in her home, as one does. And basically a bunch of, uh, had a bunch of baby spiders hanging from a thread curled up in sleeping position that she studied. Wow. The reason she used baby spiders is their heads are transparent so you can visually measure the movement of the spider's retinas. So spiders. Wow, that's uh, disgusting. <laughs> that's so gross. Uh, I, if only like Peter Parker had like, since he, I mean, he's a kid, right? He's like a teenager. If he had really mm-hmm. gotten the spider DNA, I guess he would have been more like see-through. Like you could kind of see his blood vessels and some of his organs. That, that would have been fun. He just like, I think he just entered into like arachnid teendom. Right, right. Which is brutal, which is a brutal way to enter your arachnid (laughs) life. Yeah. So this researcher found that these tiny baby jumping spiders actually demonstrate 
REM sleep, R-E-M sleep, which is rapid eye movement, which until recently has only been thought to be characteristic of vertebrates. So this is the first invertebrate who may demonstrate REM sleep, which is really interesting. Oh, arachnids, they're just like us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they're to clarify with their eyes, they don't like when we move our eyes, our whole eyes kind of move in our sockets. So you're not going to see like mm-hmm. you're not going to look at one of these spiders face and see their eyeballs like moving around in their sockets. But the back of their eyes, their retinas move and rotate. And so uh, you can see that with like a flashlight when you study them, but you're not necessarily going to see them. Uh, moving their eyes towards you for for better or for worse, I guess <laughs> that might maybe that's a comfort for some people that they're not going to suddenly see a spider side eyeing them. But like, so their retinas are separate from their rest of their eye. Their retinas, um, it's kind of like like if you hold a rubber band, um, and then you like hold it firm with one hand, and then like you can move the back of it with one hand. That's kind of like how it works. So like muscles can pull the back of their eye and move it. Uh, does that make sense? I, I, I guess I, I was about to be like, oh, that's like weird. But now I realize that I, I have no idea how my eye works. Like our well, hel- I don't know if my retina is the same <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, our retina and our, our uh, the rest of our eye moves sort of um, together in right? unison. And it rotates around in our eye socket. Uh, and there are muscles that line... So like um, wrap around the eye by sort of tensing these muscles, the whole eye moves. Uh, and like it's it's not, you know, like we can't move our eyes 360 degrees and just spin them around freely because that's the muscles can only move them so much, like side to side, up, down, you know, so much. Uh-huh. Um, and so for these spiders, those muscles are just located at the uh, back of their eye and sort of move around. Uh, their retina, whereas the the actual eyeball itself is remaining uh, still and stable, but it's like you know, it's not. Their eyes are kind of wiggly. They they can they have some give there. Yeah. You see why you see why this is really unsettling. Um, to like a human sure, being. yes, <laughs> eyes move like that. Of yeah. course, I see why that it would be unsettling to a normal person. <laughs> Uh, yes, but yeah, so they <laughs> will have uh, this rapid eye movement that you can see with these <laughs> with these little baby spiders that you use a flashlight to see right through them. And they would also twitch like little, <laughs> which I think is cute. Maybe like to someone a twitching, dreaming spider is menacing, but like their little legs like twitching like a puppy. And so what do they dream about? One can only guess. Uh, they are hoping to continue to investigate the extent to which the jumping spiders dream, but we don't know what they are dreaming about. World domination, maybe. Or just like a, like a, just flying. Because yeah. they can't really fly, right? They can just kind of jump. I bet they, they have flying dreams. Well, when they're, I'm not certain about jumping spiders, but for a lot of spiders, when they are very small, like baby spiderlings, they uh, actually do take to the sky because they release like a strand of webbing that they use as sort of like a parachute. And they're so small that the wind just like carries them away. And so they fly. This is how they disperse. Yeah, I think jumping spiders do also do this behavior. It's called ballooning. Uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they do dream about flying. Uh, fond dreams of 
flying in their in their babyhood. They just like remember that feeling, that freedom. The and they see feeling. birds in the sky. Yeah. They see these like insects that fly and then they get tangled in their webs and they're just like crunching on and they're just like eating them. <laughs> they're like, maybe if I eat them, I'll get the ability to fly and then they dream about it. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I would imagine they probably dream about things like like seeing seeing food, eating it, um, and maybe or maybe like seeing a mate, you know, standard stuff, standard spider stuff. Or mm-hmm. taking like sexy spider dreams. Sexy What's a sexy spider dream. <laughs> sexy spider dreams, seeing uh dreaming of a male waggling its abdomen and waving its arms. Mm-hmm. And then just like when it's about to get to the good part, like something lands in the net and like and wakes you up. Yeah, yeah. It's always the way, isn't it? When you find the sexy Spider-Man of your dreams, like in your dream, and then your alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how it goes. <laughs> well, when we come back, we're going to talk more about spiders. Uh, this time, the mating is not a dream. Uh, and it also ends a little bit in a nightmare. It's a nightmare. (laughs) Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional. You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, 
and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So, uh, so spider males have a classic problem, which is how do you mate without getting eaten by your much larger partner? You know what? I, you know how it is. Yeah, I do. As a human woman, I do know. <laughs> how do you find a connection without being cannibalized? That's that's every woman on a dating app's dilemma. Yeah, and I, I suddenly find spiders extremely relatable. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a win for feminism, actually, uh, where the females are larger and the ones that eat the males. Like, is that a win for feminism or is that like a loss because it's about equality? I don't know. Hashtag debate. I think me. it's a loss. I think if we're <laughs> I think if we're just if we're just going to, you know, rebuild uh, structures of oppression. Mm. Yeah, that's then, like, true. What was the point? That's what was true. the point, spiders? Right. Like we want equality. We don't want to eat men i guess all right we want them to help build our webs and help them raise our children <laughs> well the hackled orb weaver species philoponella prominence is one of these spiders in which the males do have to worry about the female eating them the hackled orb weaver female has a large round abdomen with these kind of bumpy protrusions Whereas the male is less than half her size and much scrawnier and so would be a relatively easy snack for the female after copulation. I mean, it's nothing personal. It's just like great. You get hungry after that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's cardio, it's exercise, you know, a lot of stress. And then like it's awkward too, like once you're done. So it's like it's a win-win. You eat, you know. It's like, hey, and like the awkwardness over. Right. There's no question of like, do I leave? Do I right. stay? Do we get some Uber Eats? The date is over. Or do I just eat you? Yeah. Uh, so the male is not so into this, would much prefer only to please his partner's sexual appetite, and not her, you know, hunger appetite for his little body. So he will uh, try to escape the female. And this hackled orb weaver spider has a fantastic method of escape, which is catapulting himself off of her after the mating deed has been done. So when you look at a video of, when you look at this in real life, it actually looks like the male teleports away from the female. Um, <laughs> but when you look at it in slow motion, you can see he's pushing off of her and just like being like, all right, well, that's done. See ya. And just flinging himself away. Like she's like, was it something I said? <laughs> no, I didn't mean you were a snack in that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they use their front legs to push off the female, yeeting themselves away in the nick of time. And males that did not use this strategy or who weren't fast enough, researchers found were typically consumed by the female. So it is a very important survival technique for these males and the way they're able to fling themselves off so quickly is that the joints in their front legs so the legs are folded against the female's abdomen during mating and once they're done the male squeezes hemolymph which is basically spider blood through the leg really quickly using hydraulics 
to quickly unfold the leg as, uh, and then it acts as this spring and just jettisons the male off of the female. Oh, wow. And there are- there, that's, that's a good system. That's a very different system than what we do with our blood. Yeah, we don't so much like squish our blood around to move, but spiders do. They're kind of hydraulic-based movement with their legs. And they're like, and I live to copulate another day. <laughs> exactly. Huzzah! Huzzah! And they're also, it, it is truly sort of like a Robin Hood-esque movement because they're attached to a thread of silk that uh, they trailed behind them. So when they launch themselves away, they swing on their silk out of her clutches to safety. So it really is like the little Robin Hood spiders of mating, uh, mating from the females and then... Uh, <laughs> And then just like uh, yoinks and away and jumping away. Like, how do you how do you practice safe spider sex? Right. First, you need to anchor yourself with a silk thread to right. a safe location. You study the stunts of uh, classical actor Errol Flynn, um, and this is how you you know this is how you practice responsible safe spider sex. Man, these little it's just. These little Tom Cruise spiders, I, I, I respect it, you know? Like, is it, maybe it's, a, is it a little disrespectful? Yes. But, you know, on the other hand, I, I appreciate the stunts. Like, you know, if, if you have a one night stand and someone, you know, your partner just leaves, that's kind of sucky. But like, if you have a one night stand and your partner does like a, does a backflip out of your apartment, that's cool. I mean, can we got like can we call them Mission Impossible spiders? Because if we call them Tom Cruise spiders, then it would actually be the female spider that would have to hatch an extremely detailed plan to escape. Ah, yes, the that clutches is true. of the Scientology that church. That is true. That is true. In that case, it is acceptable to eat the Tom Cruise spider. I believe. And what other choice do you have? I know. know at that exactly. Point? <laughs> this is not. This is legally speaking. This is not a threat. We are not going to cannibalize Tom Cruise. We're just saying. He's not a great person. So like I guess he wouldn't taste very good. We're just saying we're just saying that relationships are complicated. Exactly. Thank you. My my legal team thanks you. So, uh on to another spider who uses physics to achieve amazing stunts. The uh genus Hyptiotes is a small brown fuzzy spider. I think kind of cute because they have such a round abdomen. They're just like real, real little chunksters. And they use uh, physics to catch prey. They're called the triangle weaver spider. And they're called the triangle weaver because they weave triangle shaped webs. And it seems like a really odd web shape until you find out what they do with them. So they position themselves at the tip of the triangle and anchor themselves to like a branch and they load it like a slingshot where they are basically the projectile. Uh, so when they spot prey, like prey lands in their web or near their web, they will launch themselves and the web towards it. Uh, it is so effective that they can accelerate over 20 times the acceleration of a space shuttle. Over 20 times the acceleration the of a space shuttle. Of a space shuttle? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. My question is why aren't we, why aren't we deputizing these spiders to be astronauts? Why aren't we 
slingshotting our astronauts into space instead. <laughs> uh, Why can't we slingshot Bezos? Yeah. I mean, right into the sun, actually. But uh, just into. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it is a question. I, I do sometimes wonder if, like, any of the astrophysicists have thought about using a giant slingshot. I, I think it's, you know, maybe. Maybe that would work, you know what I mean? Just, like, get a lot of, a huge rubber band, get a lot of people to pull it back, and that way we're not using fuel, right? Hopefully. Yeah. I'm sure they thought about this. I'm sure they have. There's probably some problem with a giant rubber band shooting a rocket into space. But honestly, I can't think of one. I mean, but if we take the example of this spider, right, what's the scale? Is the spider just like the size of a person on like a football field? Mm. Or would the slingshot have to be like as big as like, I don't know, the Empire State Building or something or the Eiffel Tower to actually like get a human-sized person in proportion to the spider like, I mean, out into space. Into space. Like, so this spider does not go space distances. To get a human into space using sort of a spider web that's scaled up to a human, um, I can totally do the math of that in my head. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I well, it's not like going into space, but like with that acceleration. Mm -hmm. I mean, how far are they going? The spiders aren't going that far, but they're accelerating extremely quickly. So uh, you can see, like, it, it looks like they're teleporting. Uh, like, they just kind of go from one end of their web. Suddenly, they've, like, teleported three inches, teleported another inch. So they are, it's just like, it happens in the blink of an eye. And they'll do it multiple times. So, like, um, kind of pause, pause. Uh, and then slingshot themselves again, pause, reload, slingshot themselves again as they get closer and closer to this prey. And it it's kind of, from the prey's perspective, from like this fly's perspective, it must be really creepy because it's like the spider being one place and then suddenly it's like, you know, three inches closer to you, suddenly another inch closer to you. And it's moving so quickly, it's really hard to track this spider with your with your vision. Oh my God, this is terrifying. There was a Doctor Who episode about this with these like statues oh, that right. would only move yeah. when your eyes were closed. Every time you blink, they were just like menacingly, <laughs> a menacing distance closer to you. This is even if you don't blink, honestly. Uh, it just keeps oh, coming towards you. Yeah, it, I mean, it is absolutely is a horror movie trope. Um, it's like if you saw sort of a monster at the other end of a room and, and then like it basically just moves really quickly and in the blink of an eye is you know like five feet closer to you and also you're trapped in its sticky web and you are so doomed and about to have your insides liquefied and sucked out of you i'm sorry were we trying to make spiders more relatable this episode mm. i guess i kind of <laughs> forgot about that yeah I think it's cool, though, actually. Like, look at these little guys. Like, a real Dennis the Menace kind of kind of dude, just like with its little slingshot, pestering his neighbors, sucking the juices out of its victims. You know, just like <laughs> Dennis the Menace. Yeah, yeah, boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. This is probably a female, actually, but yes. <laughs> spiders will be spiders. Spiders will be spiders, exactly. 
That's a much less toxic phrase, I feel like, you know? How toxic are they? How toxic are they? I don't think- Is it a less toxic phrase? How toxic are these spiders? <laughs> these ones, I don't think they're very uh, venomous in terms of humans. How do they kill? How do they kill- How do they kill their prey? Are they like choking it? Are they injecting <laughs> choking it? it out? Is it a, is it a, you know, kick to the suplex? How much does it suck to be a fly? You spend your life, like, all you eat is, like, poop. Yeah, you have a crappy life. You're short, crappy, and sometimes you have a spider essentially teleport itself at you and bite you and suck you out end, your juices. You end in a horror movie. <laughs> you live in a Dickinson novel. Right, right. You're like, please, sir, may I have some more um, animal poop? <laughs> Just, you know, like, little... little uh, t- no, it's Tiny Tim isn't the one. What's the one who asks for more porridge? I think that one's a, is that one a Tale of Two Cities? Small Samuel. Yeah, this is trying- little, little, little George. No, I don't know. It's, it's, is it, is that David Copperfield? Oliver, no, Oliver Maybe. Twist. Oliver Twist Oliver is the Twist. one who wants more porridge. So Oliver, this Oliver Twitch, <laughs> Oliver Twitch. Yeah, I mean, I guess that works for a spider. Oliver Twitch spider asking for more porridge, but the porridge is feces. Um, and then well, he, that's the fly, right? I can't believe I can't believe we were trying we were trying to make spiders more relatable, mm-hmm. and you actually made me have sympathy for flies. Yeah, that was. An I accident. also hate flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to reclaim my hatred for flies and the disease that they spread and the onslaught that they bring to every picnic I've ever held. Yeah, no, that, that that was an accident. I was trying to do PR for the spiders. Actually, you know what? The the triangle weaver spider, the one that we're talking about, uh, does not have venom. And that's actually probably why it uses its uh, its webbing in this manner in order to disable its prey. And then basically it just kind of, I guess, just, just scares it. it to death. <laughs> Uh, probably chews on it to death, eats it to death, which is also uh, bad. Yeah, it's, it's just an, eats it alive. It eats it. It eats it. Yeah, I mean, at some point, it probably does die from the eating. But yeah, nature is brutal, brutal, harsh, but fair. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not <laughs> fair. It's just harsh. It's neutral. <laughs> it's neutral. When we get back. Uh, I will actually tell you a story that I think makes spiders cute. Or maybe not. Maybe just makes plants more menacing. You be the judge uh, when we get back after a very quick break. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So... I feel like I have been remiss in my mission to make spiders more relatable because we did have the cute dreaming baby spiders and uh, which seemed to only kind of unsettle you, the fact that spiders Well, because you told me that their heads were clear. Yeah, well, you know, semi-translucent and if you shine a light through it, you can see the back of their eyeballs. I'm not sure I see what the problem is yet. And then I talked about how some male spiders will catapult themselves off the females so that they don't get eaten after mating. Again, I feel like this is an awkward situation that we can all relate to some kind of scenario you'd find in Seinfeld or Friends. That's true. That was very relatable. It is. And then I talked about how the triangle weaver spider will catapult itself towards its prey and um, using its web like a slingshot. And, you know, I think that it makes them like a cute little rascal. You said it's horrifying that they would do that to a fly and eat them alive. And I feel like... because you said it it looks like it's teleporting. Yes. It's true. It does teleport towards its prey and then kills it dead. Um, So, you know, maybe there's... Maybe like we both have a point. Let's say that, right? Let's regroup. Let's regroup. <laughs> tell me. Tell me about your love of spiders. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I do want to talk about how cute it is when spiders have friends. And I want to talk about, you know, there, there are a lot of classical friendship between animals in like Disney movies. It's like, you know, Oliver and company. Remember when that kitten made friends with those dogs? Uh, sometimes you'll see in like news stories like this duckling is friends with this cat or like this pig is friends with this sheep. 
it, it's so cute. And spiders do that too sometimes. Like the friendship between a spider and a carnivorous plant. Aw. That's like a musical <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> so uh, the Nepenthes pitcher plants are a vase-shaped plant found in Southeast Asia. They attract insects with a sweet excretion. But it's a trap. Once the insect ventures to the slippery interior walls of the plant, they fall down into the belly of the pitcher plant, which is filled with digestive fluid. Uh, once the insect is liquefied, the plant can absorb the liquefied nutrients of their victims. Just like, you know, just like a uh, homeward bound. Aw, cute. <laughs> Or like a Soylent, or like drinking a Soylent. Yeah, they make their own smoothies. Yeah. It's it's mm -hmm. That's fun and fresh. They're like a Jamba Juice, but they're a plant. Yeah. Yeah, if you were like a plant, and like you just like had a Jamba Juice in your house. Right. Exactly. I, I Like, who are we to judge like that they make their smoothies out of flies when we make smoothies out of like weird stuff like chia seeds plants. you know yeah i mean yeah we're well, I mean, like the plant is looking at us like, like oh my god oh my you god make, you make smoothies out of plants that's messed up that's messed up right yeah exactly uh well there's a beautiful friendship between these plants and the yellow crab spiders and also the red crab spiders so the yellow crab spider is a lovely bright yellow crab-like spider as its name implies they're, they're not too big. The females are usually less than half an inch in length, around 10 millimeters or less, and males are even smaller. The red crab spider is even littler. It's about six millimeters or 0.2 inches long. So these are, these are little spiders. They're quite pretty in my opinion. They are these bright colors. They look sort of like flower-like in a, in a weird way. And both of these crab spiders like to make their home in the carnivorous pitcher plant. They will lay in wait just under the rim of the pitcher's opening. And when a fly or other insect comes to investigate the sweet smelling nectar that the plant has um, excreted as a bait, the spider will actually strike out and catch this insect. But then does it but then doesn't the pitcher plant get mad about that? You would think so, right? Well, first of all, I don't know what an angry plant looks like. It does its leaves just kind of scowl at you? I'm trying to think. Or does it start to just try to trap the spider and try to, <laughs> you know, get put out more of that liquid to get the spider? <laughs> No, actually, it turns out that this is a beneficial relationship even for the plant, which is surprising, right? So the uh, spider is safe from the plant, generally speaking, because it has a strand of silk that it's attached outside of the pitcher uh, so that even if it like slips, it's still got this safety, a literal safety net, preventing it from falling into the digestive basin. But they are actually doing something that ends up helping the plant in certain ways. So uh, they may increase the success rate of capturing more agile flies who might otherwise evade the pitcher plant's traps. The presence of these spiders, researchers went around and like measured the number of flies and stuff inside the pitcher plant. And pitcher plants who had these spiders living on them, they actually would have more flies inside the pitcher plant. So what probably happens is these spiders are good at like knocking a fly down, right? Catching 
you know, knocking a fly down, but sometimes they, you know, miss, they make a mistake. And if the fly starts to escape, then it slips down into the pitcher plant. So the pitcher plant is getting the flies that the spider is not successfully catching. Um, and that means it's actually increasing the rate of success for these pitcher plants. In addition, the spider, when it's eating the insect, is kind of messy. So it'll drop like crumbs, which are just insect parts, down into the pitcher, which the pitcher <laughs> plant also digests. Additionally, the spiders, once when they like die of old age or something, like they will actually fall into the pitcher. So it's like one last gift that these little friendly spiders give to the pitcher plants, which is their own body as a snack, which is uh, adorable. Like Homeward Bound. Basically. Basically. Or Where the Red Fern Grows. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Man, that book sucked. It made me sad. <laughs> I got angry as a kid. No, I... Yeah, it was a... That's like... That's the kind of the first touch of tragedy. Yeah. How dare they? How dare they try to make me feel complex adult feelings as a literal child? I should sue them. There was also that book, The Yearling. Did you ever read that? No, I didn't. <sighs> it's horrible. Highly disrecommend. The opposite of recommend. Uh, anyways, yeah, they were beautifully written books. But if you, if you, the end of the book, same thing with Old Yeller. It's like at the end of the book, it's like, oh, you made a bond with these cute animals. Well, now we're going to kill them. It's like, you know what? Maybe I'll write a book about a spider and a pitcher plant and they're friends and they live forever. Mm-hmm. And then they die, and then the and on the last day, and the last day of the spider's life, you know, it's basically like a Tuesdays with Maury, mm. but then the spider dies and just gives itself to the plant. Yeah, or they or they and, are cute and they live forever. Also, the end. <laughs> that can't happen. I guess not. I guess the harsh realities of life must be taught to children and make them cry. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is. I I love these like symbiotic relationships where like at first it seems like these spiders are kleptoparasites. So kleptoparasite is something that steals resources from you. So they're not actually attacking your body like um uh you know like an endoparasite lives inside of you and you know mm-hmm. like a tapeworm. It's just taking your shine. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. An ectoparasite is like a flea or a tick. It's you know, uh, sucking your blood or, or taking um, nutrients from your body by living outside your body. But a kleptoparasite steals your resources. So like go- certain like seabirds can often be kleptoparasites, like gulls will steal fish from birds, other birds who have caught the fish. And so that's a kleptoparasite. Uh, and so like these spiders seem like kleptoparasites. They're taking the insects that would otherwise get into the pitcher, but it actually seems more like it is a uh, mutualistic relationship where the spiders um, get more success rate because the plant is attracting insects and the plant actually gets the sort of failures of the spider when like the foul balls that the spider is dropping into the pitcher the pitcher is getting. It's like teamwork. Yeah. I mean, it sounds that's actually sounds like a super healthy partnership. It is. Yeah. It's actually, it reminds me a little bit of the relationship between badgers and coyotes. Uh, have you ever seen like those, those videos of like a coyote and a badger walking together 
Uh, no. Yeah, it's very cute. I highly recommend that. Don't don't read where the red fern grows. Don't read books. Just watch videos of the badgers and the coyotes. Nobody's reading books. <laughs> I'm joking. Books are a wonderful world into the imagination. Do read them. Just like if it's where the red fern grows, skip the last 20 pages. But yeah, it, yeah, badgers and coyotes will team up and what they do is they will attack um uh, burrows of like, you know, s- things like gophers, um, groundhogs, and like they will, <laughs> the badger's very good at digging and the coyote's very good at chasing and catching and the badger will go on one end of the burrow and start digging in and these poor terrified little rodents will uh, try to escape the badger and run out and what do they see on the exit hole? A coyote! there to catch them. And so the badger will sometimes catch the rodents, right? Like, because they'll sometimes run out that way um, because they're scared of the coyote. And sometimes the coyote will catch them because they're scared of the badger. So it's like, you know, the they basically trap these, these uh, th- their prey. And so either the prey is going to get got by the badger or the coyote. And so in that way, they actually both benefit, even though they're not directly like sharing the food. They're not like killing uh, a groundhog and then presenting it to the other one. Uh, in effect, by them both being there and cornering these poor little rodents, they are helping each other. Um, but they're also both benefiting. It's like a, a rising tide floats all boats. Yes. You know, just like a, a, a total panic attack of a rodent colony. <laughs> floats all boats. Feeds everyone. That's, There's enough for everyone. I like that saying better. A total panic panic attack of a rodent floats all boats. Of an entire rodent colony. Right. An individual rodent won't be enough to feed them, but like they're doing <laughs> it to terrorize the entire colony. The terrified screams of a rodent uh, is good for the goose and the gander. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, mixing lots of animals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it actually to me it reminds me of the um, the symbiotic relationship of a small child and mm. a dog, ah. which dogs really love small ch- like a smart dog. Like mm-hmm. there are some dogs that just hate kids, and you don't want them around kids. And then like a really smart dog knows that children are frequently being offered food, and children frequently refuse yes. it. And even when they do eat it, they're extremely messy eaters. Yeah, and so they just so stick they just- around the kids. What's the what's mm-hmm. the dog giving the child though, other than emotional affection? I guess well, co- constant play, buddy. But also, you know, then if you don't like something, you can sneak it to the dog, ah, and then it looks like you for ate picky it. Picky eaters, yeah. Oh man, I was such a picky eater as a kid. I should have had a dog because I had a cat, and if I tried to feed her a pea, she'd try to kill me. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think cats and humans have as much a symbiotic relationship. No, as much as like a sub dom relationship. Yeah, they're more our bosses, right? Like you know, we're there. We're the cats' employees. Like I'm trying to like earn my cat's affection. Yeah, to like heal the love that I do not <laughs> feel like I got as a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. You know, it's. Are we? It's kind of a codependent relationship with cats, I think, versus with dogs, or like spiders and pitcher plants, or spiders and pitcher plants. Yeah, a pitcher. It's that it is. It is such a beautiful like relationship, though. You know, just like they're both mm-hmm. they're both giving and they're both taking, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
they're like leave they leave no crumbs they leave together they yeah leave no crumbs yeah like together they lick the plate clean the plate being flies and other and in- flying insects um mm-hmm. but yeah so so have i warmed you up a little bit to spiders maybe possibly a little bit a little i do bit. i do feel you know i i do empathize with that perspective of like hey there's enough for all of us yeah if we don't fight over them if we fight together instead of fighting each other there's enough for us all to grow big and strong. Yeah, exactly. I love that. These are very, these are, the, these spiders have a very, um, not, what's the opposite of zero sum? A hundred sum? It's it, like win-win. Win-win, right. Yeah, exactly. They understand, they get it. These spiders get it that we don't have to live in a zero sum society. We can support each other, community care, sharing fly parts. It's beautiful. We make a bigger, we make a bigger pie. We make a bigger, more flies, a bigger yes. fly pie. Right, exactly. You don't have to fight over the pie. That's a, that's right. That, that sounds wonderful. So like zero out of 10, how would you rate spiders, um, Ivy? Um, I mean, on what scale? <laughs> Just the general I don't, one. I don't feel that you've made spiders cuter mm. for me mm-hmm. today. Uh, and I feel like my, I can con- maintain my armistice, mm-hmm. uh, with spiders in perpetuity. Uh, but I do feel like I, uh, learned something from nature today. So like that would be a 10, you'd say? Mm. Mm. No, I mm. mean, I, 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 I learned things from, uh, you know, I learned, I learned things from Osama bin Laden. So <laughs> <laughs> I well. can learn things from anything. You heard it here, folks. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Spiders, just like Osama bin Laden. <laughs> Osama yeah, bin Laden said... out of ten. <laughs> that's that's where that's where we're at. Well, you know? that's like uh, the enemy, still an enemy, but uh, you know, a uh, a worthy a worthy opponent. <laughs> Is that what you're saying about Osama bin Laden? A worthy, yeah, a worthy <laughs> opponent. Uh, anyways. Be- Had us on our toes. Had us on our toes. Not going to lie. But before we get uh, inundated with emails, uh, <laughs> I, we got to play a little game. And that game is called Guess Who's Squawking? Guess Who's Squawking is the mystery animal sound game. Each week, I play a mystery animal sound, and you, the listener, and hey, you, the guest, too, try to guess who is squawking. Last week's mystery animal sound hint was, who's this knocking? Well, don't let it raise your hackles. You're really going to test my credentials as a nature show host today. (laughs) These are tricky. I probably wouldn't get, honestly, if I were playing against me, I would probably Oh, oh, that hurt. Oh, that felt weird inside my ears. <laughs> frog? Some kind of frog? Oh, oh, that sounds so weird. Yo, I hope you're, if you're not listening, it's in headphones right now. It's a, it's like a fun little ASMR, isn't it? A little tickle in your ear.
it looks like I got it looks it feels like someone like licked the inside of my ear like without my consent. It's like an it was like a non-consensual what Willie? Non-consensual ASMR <laughs> ASMR like Super, super inappropriate <laughs> ASMR touch. So you guessed frog. That's not correct. Do you have any more guesses? But like literally anything could be a bird. Mm. Any sound. Like there's a bird that can make that sound. It is a bird. You're correct on that. Do you want to guess the species of bird or do you want to like leave it generally just at bird? I only know like three birds. So. <laughs> Which are the birds you know? A pigeon, Mm -hmm. a grackle, and dove. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's probably closest to the grackle, um, but this is actually a raven. Oh. So you may have noticed the term hackles being used in my hint. So hackles of the raven are those roughly feathers on their throat. So ravens don't just croak. They make a wide variety of noises. They can even learn to imitate human speech. So there are, in fact, talking ravens, uh, usually at zoos. Um, but in this case... And poems. They do, these, sometimes they write poems, too. And then some sad guy from, like, the 1800s steals that poem and claims it's his. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- this sound is actually not uh, imitation. This is a natural sound that they make. And this, it's like, it kind of sounds like a a weird water droplet sound, like some weird machine. Um, This is most likely the call of either a mated pair communicating with each other and reaffirming their bond, or a dominant female raven in the social hierarchy sounding off and kind of, uh, I guess, strengthening her role as the dominant female. Oh, and we can't tell the difference? We don't know? Yeah, I don't think we fully speak Raven at this point. It's like, you know, they probably have they probably have some kind of accent. There's probably like, you know, like an umlaut somewhere on the mm-hmm. that they uh, say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not sure we, we full maybe a Raven expert might fully understand this the subtle differences in tones and or, accents. ornithologist. The ornithologist who is like collecting these sounds, and they're just watching it, and they're like, "Okay, either it's affirming, it's affirming this like familial bond, or it's both. It's both like, or like they're like, but then I also heard it there, and I don't know if it's asserting her dominance or if she's just affirming her familial bond with her like lesbian polycule. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like. I mean, humans have stuff like that. Like, hey, babe, can be a couple reaffirming their bond, or it can be like, a, you know, a boss, boss being like, hey, babe, like, you know, hey, basically, yeah. like, it, and it depends on the tone. Like, hey, babe, that's nice. Like, we're reaffirming our bo- our mm-hmm. bond. But if it's like, hey, babe, hey, babe, hey, babe, mm. then it's mm, it's a little aggressive. There, it's getting a little bit, a little bit aggressive. So I'm gonna like, say, hey, babe, you need to like chill. Or they're like, hey, babes, sign up for my free webinar where I'm not gonna hey, try babes. to sell you anything. The th- the trick to this, ba- like, listen, babes, the trick to this is that you actually make money um, doing nothing, and um, you know, you make money from your downstreams, babes. Yeah. So all you have to do is pay me two ninety nine ninety nine. 
It's a webinar. It is a webinar that will change your life. Babe, babe, this will change your life. Yeah. So you are going to be the CEO of your dreams. <laughs> Drip drop coup. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. What's that? I won't try to imitate the rainbow side. Okay. Yeah, I can't do it either. Not much of a bird caller. Um, but yeah, this is a, the, yeah. So this is probably the hey babe of the Raven lingo. Uh, so they could be, uh, it could be a loving call. It could be trying to get you into a Raven MLM. Who's to say? So I bet they have them too. They must. They're very smart. Um, they are very smart and petty. They're smart and petty. I could imagine them starting a multi-level marketing scheme like. You know, this this is not just about peanuts. This is about self-actualization. So <laughs> on to this. This week. is feminism. This is fi- this is actually about fighting for our rights. And also we sell twigs to each other. So <laughs> uh, on to this week's mystery animal sound. Uh, here is the hint. It is the largest of its order, but that doesn't mean it'll refuse a good cuddle. I keep thinking it's going to be like a little woodpecker. Like, I think it's going to be a woodpecker, but then that little, like, ee at yeah. the end just sounds like a mammal to me. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go with. So I'm trying. There's like a. There aren't there mammals that chop wood? Like, be- was it beavers? Beavers, yes, they do. They do chew on wood. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it chopping. Really, it's not. They don't like swing their head like an axe exactly, but they do. They do gnaw on wood. Okay, that wasn't. Yeah, that's not the sound. I, I was because I was hearing like a, like a tap tap tap. Mm. But you're gonna. That you're gonna think s- of woodpecker because the only woodpecker sound I've heard is from like Looney Tunes. Yeah. So somewhere between a woodpecker and a beaver is your guess, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will reveal the answer on next week's episode of Creature Feature. So if you out there think you know who is squawking, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. I'm sorry. Ivy looks devastated that she's not going to find out. This is not what I signed up for, Katie. <laughs> you had a no cliffhangers clause. I'm sorry. Um, but Ivy, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, tell people where they can find you. They can find. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, love and hate nature. I watch <laughs> all the nature documentaries like it's a train wreck. Um, I'm Ivy Lee with one E, that phrase all spelled out on pretty much all social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, what have you. Uh, and I would love it if you love nature, if you would listen to my podcast uh, from Spotify Studios. You can listen to any platform for free. Uh, it's called Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, a nature show by the most reluctant host ever. <laughs> uh, it is it is a good listen, especially if you yourself are a little bit hesitant about camping. So, uh, yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you're enjoying the show and you want to leave a rating or review, I would be most grateful. I print out every... I'm se- going to give it literally zero stars <laughs> for the cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm going to go rate it oh, right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to get like a review from Ivy Lee. It's going to be like Ivy Lee... Um, 
Goku 69 and then it's going to be like I you you literally didn't tell me what that squeaking noise was and so negative somehow you'll manage to find out a way to do negative stars the review is just going to be three words it's going to be rude <laughs> so rude <laughs> Well, if you think the podcast is rude, or if you think it's great, whatever, you can leave a review for me. I'll read them all, I print them all out, and then I like play in it like it's snow. I make a snow angel out of the reviews, so uh, the more I get, the better my snow angel quality of all these papers that I've strewn about the house and made my husband worry about me. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.